Hello and welcome back everybody to part two of the July edition of the MA Monthly Podcast hosted by myself, Lewis Williams. This month I'm joined by Cobeden reading economics at the University of Kent. Hello. <laughs> uh, in this part two, we'll be covering two deals, um, the acquisition by Thermo Fisher of Kaijin, uh, and in addition, a past deal between Amazon and Whole Foods. So the first deal we're going to be looking at today is the Thermo Fisher agreeing to buy the Dutch company Kaijin for around 11.5 billion. As uh, Thermo Fisher, a scientific equipment maker, is expanding its disease testing capabilities. Obviously, with the uh, pandemic at the moment, uh, this was when we announced when I started researching it. It was the biggest uh, um, deal of the year. Right. but has since uh, been overtaken by another one that just got announced by some oil companies which are on 20 billion and it currently has a 23% premium on it so right. be excited to get into that okay excellent um, let's start off with the history of the two companies as per usual oh yeah sure so um, we'll start off with Thermo Fisher the um, company um, that's acquiring Kaijin it was originally formed from a merger of Thermo Electron and Fisher Scientific um, as many companies are these days, from a uh, merger. Thermo Electron was co-founded in 1956 by George N. Hastipoulos. <laughs> we love a big name. Yeah, we do uh, love a big name, yeah. Uh, who uh, was, a, um, was studying at MIT and got a PhD. And uh, the second founder was Peter M. Nomikos, who um, was at Harvard Business School. Uh, they produced scientific pro- products such as a Zelotron, which is a high-voltage um, vacuum tr- tube. I love the detail here. This is brilliant. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically, they're just in the um, laboratory um, machines and all that kind of industry. Right. So uh, Fisher Scientific, on the other hand, the other part of this was uh, uh, made by Chester Garfield Fisher, uh, in 1902 and then the two companies combined um, to make Thermo Fisher um, re- in recent years these companies have gone on an aggressive expansion acquiring many companies such as Life Technologies for 13.6 billion Affymetrics for 1.3 billion FEI company for 4.2 billion Blimey. Um, Pathion for 7.2 billion this, this was just in the last five years yeah so this well, next deal is just it's another one to in, this, yeah, yeah. In, in the plan. Okay. So just an aggressive expansion over the past few years and currently has a market capitalization of 159 billion, putting it in the uh, Fortune 100 companies, I think. Amazing. It's, I mean, it's, it's like one of these companies that are so big that you've just never heard of because yeah, exactly. they're not consumer-based. Exactly. I mean, we're not buying from them directly, but yeah. I guess we benefit from them. Absolutely. Uh, Kaijin, on the other hand, was established in November 29th by a team of scientists in uh, Germany. Two years later, Kaijin launched its first product kit for purification of plasmids. <laughs> whatever, whatever that is, scientific stuff. Essentially, they're selling test kits and equipment, which is uh, similar to um, thermoscientific. At the end of uh, 2009, Kaijin surpassed the 1 billion revenue mark 
and has over 3,500 employees. And it also became the first company to um, get a test for the H1N1, or the swine flu as we know it. Right, okay, I didn't know that, yeah. So that was um, a lot of their success at the beginning, and it now has a market cap of around 9 billion euros. Right, so, so a comparatively much smaller company. Yeah, much smaller. Yeah, obviously you've got that premium on it that they're paying Yeah. at the moment. So in the past two years, uh, we'll, go, we'll start with Thermo Fisher. So in the past, we'll talk about in the past three years, we'll go, their, their share price almost tripled from around £150 per $150 per share even, to $410. And this can mostly be contributed to the aggressive expansion we talked sure. about earlier. People wanted to get on this because obviously they're acquiring a lot of companies, mm-hmm. uh, strengthening their market position. And uh, especially recently, they've had a uh, increase from the coronavirus pandemic, which they've been very much the centre of providing uh, tests. Uh, last year, they recorded a net income of $3.7 billion. Uh, in 2018, it was 2.94 billion, and 2019 was 2.23 billion. Right. This goes to show how well run the company is over the past few years, as it has increased net income by 31% and 26% each of the three years. Excellent. Um, with uh, an additional surge in demand. So that that's the main reason for their success. Increasing this um, net income, which is very important, obviously. Yeah. So It'll be interesting to see if my uh, test will actually be by them. Won't yeah, exactly. yeah, you've got a test coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we don't, I don't know too much about um, their products in that much detail, but I looked in their annual report and they've said they've responded for to global demand for COVID-19 diagnostic testing by developing Applied Biosciences Tag Path uh, COVID-19 combo kit which has received emergency use authorization so essentially which in layman's terms um, means they've they've made this test for governments around the world which has been been put into action really quickly which has really helped them out because obviously yeah. there have to be a lot of processes before that usually it's interesting which companies win and lose within these kind of situations yeah, definitely. and definitely a winner, Massive winner which is why it's important to cover again because you haven't heard of them you know yeah. and it's the same story for Kaijin as well yeah um, uh, their share price has risen ten uh, percent in the last three months alone. Wow! Uh, to forty-one pounds, forty-one dollars, even uh, showing strong performance in the pandemic due to incl- increased demand for exactly the same reason. They're providing a similar service, so they've seen the same kind of increase. Perfect. But even before this pandemic, uh, their revenues have increased year on year. Right. From one point four billion to one point five billion, which shows they're pretty stable in their growth. However, they've posed an, um, a net income loss in two out of the last three years, but only a small one of four point uh, forty-one million, which is about a two percent uh, right. uh, minus two percent gross margin. Okay. Well, it's important to note because um, mm. you know if you're looking at it also from the intangible aspect of how good the management is in the past few years as well obviously they've benefited as of as of late due to external circumstances but important to look at previous years as sort of the quality of the asset that Thermo Fisher are buying Um, perfect let's move on to the theoretical analysis um, behind the deal okay so um, Kaijin and Thermo Fisher both produce laboratory equipment and especially recently with the tests so this acquisition would definitely be a horizontal merger okay. for them. So trying to just increase their market share, of which they currently hold 12% of the market. I couldn't find the statistics of Kaijin because I feel like they're not 
It's probably not big enough for a player. Yeah, exactly. But 12% of the market in this particular market, which is very competitive, is actually a very impressive market share. Um, uh, yeah, so Thermo Fisher have said that this, acqu- this acquisition provides us with the opportunity to leverage our industry-leading capabilities and R&D expertise to accelerate innovation and address emerging healthcare needs. Uh, Mark Casper, the Thermo Fisher president. So... Essentially, all he's saying is he's just trying to get get this company in so they can just increase their power yeah, in the industry yeah. and increase their capacity as well. So, Kaijin has been working on equipment to detect COVID-19 since the outbreak began in January. Last week, they sent test kits to four hospitals in China for evaluation and plans to apply for emergency authorization to them in the US, Korea and China, which they have received um, since then. Um, Thermo Fisher may want to use this as extra capacity to meet the rising demand from all the countries around the world. Right. Currently, this field is quite um, it's quite unusual for business in general, as their demand has skyrocketed recently. Mm-hmm. So this acquisition would help them be a big player in this and help them capitalise at the moment. Yeah. Because okay. obviously, I'd say it's a bit of a bubble recently yeah. for these kind yeah. of firms. Because eventually it's going to like fade away. Yeah, I mean, one. once the um, they find a vaccine and that kind of thing, then there's mm. less, much less of a demand for their current services. But yeah, I guess it would be important for them to close this deal as quickly as possible then as well. Exactly. So they're just trying to just capitalise on the current situation yeah. and do the most they can. Perfect. Because um, even though earnings were down in 2019 for Kaijen, it's expected they could rise as much as uh, 67% in this next year because wow. of this. Which is incredible because Kaijin really um, were one of the first to develop this test. So right, okay. really, um, I guess maybe because they're so small, they're more agile, mm. perhaps. And they've, speaking of that, they've actually increased their production production to move to a 24 hour, seven day a week operations. Wow, so they're really going for it yeah. then, yeah. They've really invested hard into this, which. I, I mean, fair play to them, you know, seize the opportunity. So essentially, recent production and this 67% uh, boost in revenue has also caused a bit of concern recently. Um, So currently, Thermo Fisher are having to pay an extra billion on top of what they were originally going to pay because of this, so... It's It's not often you see that. Yeah, no, but um, by by a significant amount as well from the recent success. Um, However, this may still not even be enough. Um, As hedge fund manager David Davison Kempner has said, as the company is still being undervalued, in his opinion, he owns a 3% share in the company. And essentially what you're saying with this recent success, that the company is worth even more than what uh, they're paying. Right. But obviously he has a certain bias. Significant bias, yeah. He has a stake in it. So, yeah. And it's going to obviously benefit him a lot to, to see that happen. Interesting nonetheless, though. Um, and it's, it's really, it's not often you see such a jump in, in share price. Um, and it can only be seen in certain circumstances like this when mm. there's a world pandemic in play. Um, but yeah, interesting nonetheless. You've got to think, though, how after um, seeing their accounts from before and seeing they were proposing loss in previous years, when coronavirus eventually does die Fade out, away, yeah. the vaccine comes out and there's a lot more. Um, and the demand for these kind of products and testing facilities um, eventually reach its peak. Mm. It'll be interesting to see like, how they do after this. Yeah, and potentially maybe they're thinking that if there was a second wave and you know, the profits and the advantages of having Kaijin under their belt would be prolonged. Mm. Um, um, but I, I guess the, the 
question is that what is their plan with Kaijin in years to come? You know, post pandemic, what is their, um, you know, they're going to be their use with Kaijin? I guess perhaps just increasing their production to lower their unit costs and become more efficient in that way. Yeah, potentially, because obviously Kaijin have a lot of capital there. Yeah, and especially because it's such a horizontal merger, two very sim- uh, similar companies, you know, there's going to be significant um, ability to synergistically combine exactly. the, the companies. Um, so I guess it does make sense in the long term um, because there are a lot of obvious synergistic opportunities with producing the same product. I guess it's one of those things where it's like, in a best case, uh, they get to capitalise on this current coronavirus pandemic yeah. and then potentially have a successful business afterwards and yeah. in the worst case they can just combine and synergize and hope just um, use it as an expansion tool yeah and still capitalize obviously on what's happening at the moment yeah and if they are getting a bargain for kaijin as the uh, shareholder said then you know if they were to sell the company in three four five years then perhaps they could make a significant profit on mm. the sale especially um so in recent years obviously we talked about the um uh the the net income there you are the the net income uh, being negative mm-hmm. however in the past five years it's actually gone as high as um, 6.5% right as I've seen some of the analysis um, which shows they can turn a profit they're really yeah. able I think they probably just had a rough few years up until now I guess it would probably depend on how much they put into research in certain years because it's mm. so capital intensive in terms of the amount of money that they have to pump into things if they certain years they really go for a project or something that would massively impact their bottom line at the end of the year exactly. I, I especially saw with um, Thermo Fisher last year invested 1 billion into R&D yeah which so these kind of companies are investing significant amounts and it can pay off or it cannot yeah and I mean that would be uh, an economy of finance if the two companies were to combine as a bigger force you know they can spread the cost of Mm. um, the finance over um, a much larger uh, company so that could be advantageous as well seeing as they both have um, the desire to invest in R&D in a similar area exactly and the benefit to the consumer is there. So in terms of them actually closing it, if they're, if they're able to adapt quicker, make things cheaper for um, the consumer, who at the end of the day, is, it's, it's a dependency on health and that kind of a thing. I shouldn't see any problem with closing the deal. Um, it would be advantageous to the, the consumer for that. So governments and regulating bodies are going to look fondly upon that. Yeah, I can't see the industry itself getting any smaller in the exactly, years to come. Exactly, yeah. It's very much a... There's a lot of money being pumped into it at the moment. Kind of going on top of that. In regards to the financial stability of Thermo Fish, though, they've currently got a return of investment of uh, 7.24%, which is pretty good, Very actually. good, yeah, very good, especially in these times. Because mm. it's a very it's a very well-established company. They're doing they're doing very well. They're, they've kind of mastered it. Their, pre, their pre-tax margins are 12%, which is also very good. They're holding 2.4 billion in cash, which I'm sure will be used to go towards... The, yeah, necessary in many aspects. Mm. And they've got both... They've also got a very healthy current ratio, at 1.5%. Perfect. I'm going to break a quick ratio. Um, as well as how the deal is going to be financed, um, I think in their recent report they said they were going to raise 3.5 billion in bond offerings. So essentially, it was just 
loaning that money and then they've got money in the bank as well yeah i believe that's due to sort of the tax efficiencies that that offers Mm. um compared to leveraging the finance which is extremely difficult to get these days um so yeah i mean in terms of the deal if you were to look at it from the quality of the acquirer you'd say yeah great company um Mm. lots of cash in the bank um healthy returns year on year um a large company they can afford to undertake the risk in terms of the deal it makes sense um looking at the theoretical analysis there's plenty of synergistic opportunity available um, and more than anything they're just trying to take advantage of the um, current climate and really trying to profit off it um, which it's again it's not unethical because you know they're trying to make um, things cheaper for the consumer by creating the synergistic opportunities in the first place exactly. I think it's got everything going for it yeah me too and especially considering that 67% rise in earnings I think it could be a bit of a bargain for them absolutely yeah and it's got up as much as this guy does have a stake in it, I yeah. think he could be right about... He could well be right. Does, it does certainly sound like it could be a great deal for my Fisher going forward. Yeah, and I, I guess because of the way that Kaijin have approached the situation in terms of their ability to capitalise op- upon the opportunity, mm. um, and it does sort of reflect upon the quality of their management that they're able to seize this opportunity and generate um, so much interest in their company that they've now been acquired by a much larger company. It shows, again, a degree of um, quality from their standpoint as well. So, yeah, all round a good deal, so. it seems like. Yeah, very much so. Okay, perfect. Okay, we're going to round off for that deal there, and then we're going to move over to Amazon and Whole Foods, which is a past deal, as mentioned, um, just in one moment. Okay, so the fourth and final deal we'll be discussing in this July edition is the Amazon Whole Foods deal, which was completed in 2017 um, when Amazon bought Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. Um, This was a big move in terms of uh, the news that it made. Amazon, who've never directly been involved with the grocery market before, um, now making an external move into that market, um, which is believed to grow to around $100 billion in the next next uh, decade I believe um it represents huge diversification um, and the supermarket in, in the US uh, is the industry itself is worth about 800 billion um, so it, it's again it's a huge move and if Amazon were to become as popular as they are in the general uh, service of um, delivering goods using their prime services it could well become one day um, a massive massive company um, Whole Foods itself to date have yet to make a profit under Amazon. Um, however, they have actually reduced uh, their basket of goods, which is a measuring tool um, used uh, within the US to uh, see the general prices of each uh, supermarket, to compare the price of the food shop. Um, they have managed to reduce their um, basket of goods by $10, around 13%. Um, and they've seen a lot of um, growth within the number of stores, opening 14 in the in the last year, um, as well as using Prime as a discounting tool. Um, but more more importantly than that, we're actually going to be looking at um, the sort of the general uh, growth within the market as we look to see how supermarkets will change in years to come uh, and how the role of Amazon and Amazon Prime um, and also Amazon Go within the supermarket industry is sort of acting as um, potentially a game changer to many. 
So uh, as per usual, we'll go into the history of the two companies, starting off with uh, Whole Foods. Actually, I think we'll gloss over Amazon. I think most people know how Amazon started. Uh, Jeff Bezos within his uh, garage selling off books. Um, but Whole Foods is actually quite a wholesome story. Um, it was founded by two college dropouts and one of their girlfriends. Um, in 1978 in Texas, they focused on providing organic, quality, healthy produce. Um, they're quite commonly known as the Whole Paycheck just uh, because of the price of the food shop is a premium brand um, which does in some ways uh, contradict Amazon's long-serving core competency of being a, a low-price provider. You know, you look often, um, I, I remember going into HMV or Game as a kid and you're looking at a, a, like a, a CD or something and you think, okay, it's 10 quid here. Let me just search on Amazon and see how much it is and it's, it's 5.99 compared. And that is how they've become so successful today I, I believe in certain industries but I guess they could they could transfer their expertise put it over like their ability to cut costs so like um, massively could help Whole Foods yeah overall. definitely and that's actually what they've they've done but um, more to come on that um, Whole Foods has struggled in years especially during the recession obviously being a premium brand they're going to see demand fall um, we'd expect with sort of economic trends um, in years where there is recession so um, in 2008-2009 they really struggled they had to factorise closing a number of stores however in recent years um, up until today um, you know from 2015 up until uh, I believe 2019 20 um, they've really grown um, and especially under Amazon they have um, seen large growth in the number of stores that they've been opening um, and also with um, the different methods that Amazon is implementing um, but again as I have mentioned there I want to focus on the vision of what we can see from the two companies so Amazon is now looking to rival Walmart Walmart who are the biggest um, supermarket in the US. I think they have around 26% market share, um, which is similar to what we have over here with Tesco. I think Tesco have about 23, 21, 23 last time I checked. Um, and they have annual revenues of 256 billion. So a huge, huge company, which it shows the, the potential size of the market. So it's that low cost model. Of, yeah. Absolutely. Massive, massive revenues. Yeah, and yeah, that's lots, the lots thing. Sold. That's the thing because if you're looking at Whole Foods as a, as a premium brand, they're definitely on trend for what we could be considering to look at in years to come. You know, it favours those who are, are potentially uh, time poor but cash rich and are environmentally and health conscious. It, you do what I think until recent times as well. A lot of people have not been too worried about their food, where their foods come from. Yeah. And there's been a lot of articles and news and stories about like where our food comes from and people are starting to realise Absolutely, that yeah. They don't want to like be putting that light into their bodies. Yeah. They're going for these more premium shops like uh, whole foods where they can definitely benefit in the future yeah absolutely and also the growth of veganism and uh, pescatarianism mm -hmm. and, and other such um, you know f uh, diets that people are now following following um, you know it's only going to increase in popularity I think as they you know they target those um, those sub markets um, <clears throat> so looking at it as Amazon uh, Amazon themselves have essentially what they've been able to do is implement their prime systems within uh, within whole foods so uh, in certain places in America, if you order your food within, I think it's like 8, uh, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., if you uh, order
order your food using the uh, the website you can receive whole foods goods within two hours i believe which is a key advantage to many within the city who are potentially looking for their for their food shop to become quickly after work or before work or however it may fall Definitely. for them I don't think any other supermarket would probably have the capability of that just due to Amazon's like network size and that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what it has forced is Walmart have actually had to launch a, uh, a sort of a service where they can deliver food themselves, but it's nowhere near as quick. And it's actually, I think it's it's priced, uh, you know, very competitively next to Prime, but it's still a little bit more expensive. And in terms of what Prime offers with the video uh, and, and also that you can order anything off Amazon and get it within the next day as well as just the food stuff you know that's fantastic it's it's again it's very similar to what we talked about earlier with the fitbit and the apple watch there's so many more advantages to having prime than just the walmart feature itself um so a really interesting um aspect of uh, where they could be looking to go with it um, in years to come, you know, what, what could we be see um, with the other devices like the Echo in terms of being able to order food um, through that? You know, you can say add that to my food shop on your Echo and then it will arrive the next day or something. I mean, it's fantastic in terms of the, um, the, the, the ability to combine all of their current um, hardware and software um, to create a really uh, significant sort of, uh, I don't even know how you describe it, but something that's so... Uh, comprehensive that they have uh, you can basically order anything through their hardware and software I think the one thing Amazon is like excels at is making it as easy as possible for the customer to order the goods and get the goods yeah they just make the the, like the process seamless especially with Echo most people now have like an Amazon Echo in the house and if they can just say it out instead of having to go on their device or anything it just makes it that much easier absolutely which will mean people want to buy it that much more yeah like, will be more encouraged to buy it so. yeah yeah and it, yeah again the process is just becoming more and more streamlined as we go forwards um but talking about processes and, and streamlined uh, business models if we have a look at amazon go which was originally set up as a uh, a trial shop in seattle i believe um, and that is essentially where it's a supermarket um, under Amazon's control and you go in, um, you pick up whatever you want and you walk out without having to see a cashier, um, without having to um, talk to anybody. You know, it's extremely 21st century in that sense. Um, and it's on your way out. The food actually is uh, and your items are scanned um, just like uh, like you go out like a security scanner. But in, in this sense, it's actually just um, it's tapping in every single product that you've picked up and it's instantly charging your Amazon account. Um, These have actually grown. There's quite a few more now in the US. Um, But again, the general trend is that a lot of people are sort of hesitant um, to do this kind of a thing. And they actually, there's a lot of feedback and uh, a bit of a backlash at the moment due to the amount of cuts that's going on within the UK, within retail. More and more people uh, are sort of saying that we should still have cashiers. um, And there's a lot of bad criticism around it. I do think that especially in in recent times there hasn't been that much innovation in that um, supermarket sector obviously sure. we've got like smaller shops now but there's been no like technological advances so I think maybe people are just quite resistant to that yeah and I don't see the external benefits other than just cutting jobs yeah yeah and again on current performance um Whole Foods themselves have, have struggled to cut their, their premium price down. Um, it's only down 13% and it's still a long way adrift of the main competitor, um, 
that that is again largely due to the demographic that they're targeting because they're you know using um organic produce and, and such things but it's still it's a it's a premium brand and it is kind of it does it doesn't make sense for amazon in a, in a way because it does contradict their low price sort of model Mm. Um, but a lot of people are sort of thinking that um, Amazon will use Whole Foods due to their positive um, branding. So Whole Foods do a lot of work with um, local suppliers, um, charity work and such things moving forward, which is which is great. Um, and it gives them a really good brand name. But again, it, it doesn't suit Amazon moving forwards if they were to try and uh, challenge Walmart, where they're looking to sell things like Coca-Cola and other such fattier foods or unhealthy foods, um, which which Whole Foods wouldn't usually sell. It's definitely reminiscent of the Uber deal, especially where they're trying to get their brand image up, and especially Amazon, who've had such yeah. like negative press recently about their working conditions. Absolutely. And having Whole Foods as part of that brand can only help them. Yeah. Yeah, and but um, still, again, within line with that, it's um, Whole Foods have actually had a lot of criticism in the past few years due to um, there being food shortages within the shops. Um, really? So essentially, uh, people are going in and, and there's not enough food on the shelves, um, which is a problem. Um, but if there's anybody who can fix that problem, you're thinking it's going to be Amazon with their knowledge of operations, logistics, and that kind of a thing, um, which you know is potentially very useful within a supermarket where um, stock inventory control and that kind of a thing is extremely important so having that um, knowledge and expertise could actually be extremely useful um, for a supermarket moving forwards at the end of the day having not having, not having it in stock is lost revenue absolutely and yeah and it's actually it's an advantageous position to be in from uh, Amazon's perspective in a sense because at least then there's less chance of food going off there's less leakage and that kind of a thing um, but yeah again it's not great from a brand perspective um, and also in line with that you've had the, um, the issue that Amazon have, have essentially uh, factorised and, cent- and centralised a lot of uh, Whole Foods current operations so they've um, moved away from using local um, suppliers into regional and national suppliers um, they've also gotten rid of uh, chalkboards and other such things which made uh, Whole- the Whole Foods experience a little bit more premium um, which is a worry sign for many because it's moving away from um, you know what is what was previously um, a premium brand into something that's again trying to now make a profit which you can't blame them um, because they are making losses year on year but it's moving away from the core competence and the key experience and profile of Whole Foods. Cost wise it does make complete sense what they're doing yeah but obviously it's if it hurts their USP it's at the detriment of the USP I'm sure there's many others who are offering that low cost and I guess Whole Foods found their place in that market by being that higher quality that people want to go to yeah yeah but what um users have been really um fond of is the impact of prime and the amount of discounts that have now been implemented within whole foods so previously whole foods was very reluctant to do any sort of um, reductions in price the goods were fresh they were sold on that day um you paid a certain price but at least you know uh, you knew that things were coming from local suppliers and again it was sort of the trickle down effect on those local suppliers people were perhaps um similar to uh, fair trade they're happy to pay a higher price because they knew it was going to somebody who's um, potentially struggling in the modern environment and they were happy to do so um, whereas now maybe in years to come people if the news spread you know they're going to be more reluctant to pay that premium price if they know that the money is now going to much bigger surprise which um, don't hold the same sort of bearing I was going to say if you're, if you're a customer and you see an article saying that 
Amazon are switching there, or Whole Foods even are switching um, their suppliers to more regional ones, you look at it and be like, what's the point in going now? Absolutely, yeah. If I can get the, um, a similar type of product at Walmart for like half the price, what's the point? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, over here in the UK, for example, we do have a few Whole Foods shops, but it's not something that we tend to use. But even if we're looking at brands like Waitrose and Tesco, um, and even the lower brands like Morrison's, um, they all have organic food lines now. And so, you know, therefore you look at it and say, does Whole Foods really have much of an advantage these days, or is it simply just the quality of the brand? In my opinion, I think that Amazon will... Um, try and use Whole Foods as a platform to become a much larger supermarket um, and sort of slowly but surely they're going to be moving away from um, I think they will still sell the majority of their food products at a higher price but I think they'll move away from smaller suppliers in, in favour of making profits so you're saying they're just kind of using the infrastructure already built by Whole Foods yeah and the brand name the brand yeah, yeah. Um, because it is good PR for Amazon who is suffering as of late and Amazon obviously can just apply their expertise of their low cost model and just yeah yeah, and that way they'll win in in the long term, I think. But they're a long way off it. You know, if you're looking at, at Walmart in the US, um, because this is a majoritively uh, US sort of uh, based deal, Walmart still absolutely crushed the market, and they they've got a, such over, such an advantage over all the others due to their economies of scale that it will be a long time before we see um, Whole Foods or Amazon go ever take that over you know um, and Walmart have said themselves that they're comfortable in their current position although they've had to adapt they're still very comfortable so where do we see this going um, in years to come I think it will still be uh, be a while until we see them really take over in the UK um, they're having to grow slowly but surely in the US and it could be a long time until we see anything overseas They've, Amazon, you know, they're an absolutely massive company. They're one of the biggest companies in the world, over a trillion dollars in valuation. Sure, they have enough money to pump into this, and it's just whether they seize the opportunity, whether they favour that over other things, other such projects. Who knows? I also think with the with the Amazon Go stores, I feel like that, in my opinion, it's probably not the future of um, supermarkets. Yeah, I happen to agree. Just because... I feel like it's making the process more complicated than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like delivery, if that can be like streamlined completely, I reckon that could be the future. And Amazon obviously getting their stake in that and with that two-hour delivery. Yeah. I reckon that could... I think that's where the opportunity is for them. Yeah. And again, it could be something that is only really effective within cities where the logistical um, opportunity is there to create that, where you've got two-hour delivery slots. Something more local, like here in Berkshire, could potentially not be so effective and the overheads could outweigh the amount of people that are actually looking to uh, use the service, like we have Uber or something like that, where they're not able to turn a profit in local areas. Um, So it'd be interesting to see. um, But I think, again, it's going to be a long time until we see something um, as effective as it could be Um, but yeah again where supermarkets are going in years to come I mean most recently we've seen that I think it's Sainsbury's um, have linked themselves with Deliveroo um, in terms of how they're looking to um, offer their food services and the delivery of their foods which has you know been brought to the limelight with uh, COVID-19 and the way that we're looking to get delivery of food in the future I think there's been a definite trend towards deliveries and how quickly you can deliver it as well. So the company that can deliver it the quickest and the easiest will eventually succeed. And I think 
Hampton are in a great place with the the expertise and the systems they have to try and get that position. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it will be interesting to see where they go. But we're going to close out on that deal for now. Um, it's something that we'll return to in, um, I think, in a couple months' time just to see how things have changed or developed. Um, it, an extremely interesting prospect for how supermarkets will change in years to come, uh, targeting that, that sector specifically of the high-end um, supermarkets and uh, organic food, which is, again, a growing market. And potentially in years to come, will we be ordering our groceries on Amazon? Potentially, who knows? knows? So that brings an end to this July edition of the MA Monthly Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Co, for joining me. No problem. I thoroughly enjoyed it. it yeah, it's been great. And especially considering um, the fact that I've had to do less work and uh, it's been shared, it's been brilliant. Um, it was yeah, also not being a Larry Loner on the podcast, it's been great to actually talk to somebody. Um, and I hope uh, everybody listening has thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it probably be a lot better than last month's podcast. Um, and I think this month, all the topics have been quite varied in what we've approached yeah, um, and focused on the vision as well. Yeah, I don't think I realised how, uh, how much research goes into it. it uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. It, does it but um yeah no it is it is it's been really 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 good and i'm um, sure we'll have your months to come mm-hmm. um to the listeners out there um i hope you did enjoy i hope you found it interesting uh, any comments or um, anything like that you can head over to the review section or our dedicated email channel which is ma.monthly.pod at gmail.com um i'd be greatly appreciative if you could leave some reviews if you're listening on a podcast because it does help us with algorithms and such things Um, so if you're able just to do that that'd be fantastic Um, all the best and we'll catch you next month cheers